turned out to be completely unreliable assholes. Okay, Tim. Hello. Who's a horror host who sits across from me? Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> Who's got a friend named Peter who recommended this horrible movie? Ryan. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> I hope hi, someone hi. gets that reference. <laughs> Somebody who managed to track this movie down? Maybe our friend Peter who recommended it. Oh, well, hi, Tim. I don't have a hey, song man. introducing you. That's okay. But, you don't uh, need one. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost afraid to ask, but how are you doing? I'm okay. Yeah. I've got a sniffle. Mm-hmm. It's annoying. Mm-hmm. But something we can work through. I feel like I'm going to sound more congested than usual. Yeah. When Tim, when we sat down for this, Tim was like, oh, I'm sniffling. I'm sneezing. I got the hiccups. What's going like everything's on? Everything's happening at once. <laughs> and it's just like this film we watched, Arnold, was it just is. kind of like pushed you over. It like made everything kind of coalesce into this point of just sneezing, hiccuping, stress. Yeah, pretty your, much. Your sneezes were pretty loaded. Ugh. Yeah, but, I'm a loud sneezer. I'm like a shout sneezer. <laughs> yeah. Or scream sneezer. I, my sneezes are louder than people ex- than me, so people are usually surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Can we turn our attention from us to <sighs> hello, our listeners? Sure. Hello, our listeners. Thank you for, Hi. for Hi, humoring our preamble. Hi. Welcome. Welcome to episode 23. Of dismembering what? horror. No way. Twenty yeah, Arnold. I have it down. I'm checking. I'm looking at this time. Twenty-three. Yep. Because Maggie was, was twenty. What was twenty-two? Planet of the Vampires. I thought that was twenty-one. Ghost stories. <gasps> oh, ghost stories. I miss you so much. Yeah, it's funny how like we went from loving ghost stories, episode twenty one hating Maggie twenty, loving ghost stories twenty one, and then we had two recommend these aren't recommendations. They're recommend. I can't even say the actual recommendations. Recommendations. That's the real word. That's the real word. Wow. I haven't said it for so long. <laughs> we had two recommendations from friends of mine of films were like Planet of the Vampires. That was that. I'm interesting. I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah. I mean, that one paid off for me. But it. I don't. Yeah. Lots to dive into with that one. I don't know. They've just been funny. These recommendations, my friend. It's so too. strange and like unlikely that we would pull two in a row. Yeah, that's thank you. That's what I'm getting at. Like, what are the odds mm-hmm. of the? I think what did we have? Like total, we have like fifty or something in the hat. Yeah, exactly. So to get two is pretty crazy. Maybe that's a way to get them to listen to it. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then that well, that's only a good thing. Yep. Um, well, thanks for being here. We want to get into it. Because um, we watched a film that I'm excited to believe it or not, Tim. I'm excited to make sense of it as to why it was so bad. Knowing you, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, should we? Uh, let, let, well, let's play the trip. We and we figured this one too. So this is hard to track down this yeah. film. It's actually it's not. It's online. It's on YouTube. Sure. But, yeah. And act. And and having said that. It's gonna be as good a version, the YouTube version, as anything else you find. Because it, like in our case, it was a DVD that was ripped from a VHS that was, you know, not formatted from the original. Yeah. So it's like they're pulling from probably a VHS that taped it off of TV. Yeah. 
or just was made for no it was a vhs that was released in like the 70s or 80s right so it's for a four three aspect ratio Mm -hmm. like it's not the original film i mean you know what i mean though i'm I'm glad we rented it and didn't just go off the youtube because it is better quality at least i noticed looking at the youtube it's it's like it's 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 really bad when this just looks like what we watched just looked like a vhs yeah okay fair Um, enough so so let's watch the trailer and then we'll kind of set it up more because what I was getting at with that was uh, we're going to give it a little more context maybe than usual since uh, we usually like you watch the film and mm-hmm. s- watch it with us, talk about it with yeah. us. But uh, not only do you not need to maybe see this film, but... Uh, <laughs> Why are you tipping your hand here? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe see it. Oh. Maybe we loved it. No, anyway. All right. Here's the trailer for uh, 1973 Bing Crosby production starring <laughs> Roddy McDowell and some other people. Arnold. He's a scream. He really took care of his family. Arnold gave his bride a honeymoon she'd never forget. Heaven have mercy on my soul. All it takes, I suppose, is a bit of dust enough now and then. Arnold gave his widow some vanishing cream. <laughs> That goo was a real wrinkle remover indeed. <laughs> Arnold gave his brother a brand new suit. His buttons is all that was left of him, poor chap. Arnold gave his sister a room of her own. When you're a skilled criminologist like myself, it's as plain as a nose on your pretty little face. Arnold gave his unfaithful wife and her handsome lover togetherness. <laughs> See Stella Stevens, Roddy McDowell, and Arnold. In Arnold, you'll die laughing. Rated PG. You know, I I don't think you're giving the lead enough by saying it's starring Roddy McDowell because it's starring Stella Stevens. The, I know. The it, very well-established and well-known Stella Stevens. It is. It was. I, I slipped in that. Or I just went for this is the only name I could remember or recognize. <laughs> but he actually, yeah, Roddy McDowell did not have first billing. It was no, Stella right. Stevens. And he, you know, there's a reason. Yeah, he, he doesn't. Um. So, t- okay, okay. So, okay. so, so okay, we want to okay, start okay, off okay, with the okay. context. Okay. Of where we were coming from at all with this. Now, Peter, my friend Peter, doesn't yeah. let on a lot, but he said, uh, you know, I asked him, I asked him, oh yeah, you know, we're looking for recommendations of horror films, not necessarily obscure. I think people though, like even when I were like, we aren't looking for obscure ones, just ones that we haven't seen that maybe there's something to right. or interesting or you know worth seeing and yeah because most people aren't gonna be they're gonna be like yeah go watch jaws and yeah it's like but we'll, even though i say it. that i think people do still they they think of what's maybe is more obscure yeah or like to an extent yeah. um so peter's like uh, have you seen arnold or have you heard of that film <laughs> like no what the hell is that and is that peter's like how peter's voice is uh-huh yeah cool and um <laughs> And then uh, he's like, just, he didn't let on anything about what it was, except for he saw it, you know, I think a long time ago as <laughs> okay. a kid. And Peter is actually a, uh, I mentioned in the last episode when we pulled the name of it, a host of a podcast called Retro Reviews. And we plan on doing a, a, uh, a crossover, you know, I'm going to go on their show. He's going to come on our show. So we'll be sure to, to grill him then mm-hmm. about Arnold and where he was coming <laughs> from. Yeah. I would love to know. I want to know, because I don't know, Peter. I really want to know if this was like, 
a a a a sort of cheeky you should watch this you know what i mean like is he fucking with us (laughs) i dare you (laughs) what i'm wondering i was kind of glancing through you know the youtube comments where it's the whole movies posted and i could see like when you're a kid watching this film like when you aren't so attuned to when something is just Yes, You're, like, there's like, a lot. There's a lot of appeal for a a ten year old. Yeah, like well, a lot. It's like the murders are. I mean, we'll get right. into it, but there's. All, it's all, P. I mean, it's PG. Almost thirteen. So if you're ten, you're like. I'm getting something. Yeah. There's plenty of stuff in it. And our, our, I mean, what I have for my notes is going to reflect this, but I, even though I didn't like it, I have a, (laughs) a, I have a lot in what worked and hardly anything in what didn't work. Interesting. That makes sense. So, okay. So for a little context, I have a poll just like, okay, so what is this movie? We're going to do the summary in a sec. But just to like, if we're giving this film more context, I found mm-hmm. a kind of good like real world context for what this film is from filmthreat.com. Do oh, you mind cool. if I read this? Sure. Okay. Arnold was produced by Bing Crosby Productions. By the 1970s, old Bing was no longer starring in films, but he put his money up for the creation of low budget flicks, most notably Walking Tall. George Fanati, the Arnold director, also helmed another Crosby produced film in 1973, Tear in the Wax Museum. Fanati Fen- specialized in directing TV shows, and those two productions were the extent of his motion picture output. <laughs> However, as his TV roots clearly show, Arnold has the look of a cheaply and quickly made TV movie, complete with a B list cast overplaying their roles. Harsh B list. Pretty, uh, I thought that was. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So now, so now. It is good contextually because we turned this on and I instantly was like, oh, (laughs) we're in this world. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like it, even the opening shot is, is like, it's very obviously a small soundstage that they built a graveyard on. And then there's like a force perspective mansion that's, that's probably, you know, it's to scale. So it's, it's probably five feet tall, but it's just, you know, 20 feet in the background. So Mm -hmm. it's supposed to look like it's a mansion out. There's like, you know, someone holding it up so it doesn't fall (laughs) over. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you, you go, Oh, I, I, I know where I am. And then the music (laughs) kicks in, which Tim gave us a Ryan rendition of Christ. Yeah. Yes. It's pretty, it's pretty all over the place. I think they're, tr- well, well, we'll get into it. I think they're trying, they, they, they were attempting to, and I think this happens a lot, actually. When you, when you have people who are kind of making a movie for this, I guess, sort of for the sake of making a thing, it's, it, it's, it's a bunch of different ideas that haven't really formed into a, a, a cohesive thing. So it's like, we're grabbing, oh yeah, we like this thing from this and we like this thing from that. And oh yeah, Benny Hill is a cool, funny show too. So let's use stuff from that. You know what I mean? So it just feels like this kind of slapped together thing. And that shows even in like the sets and like yeah. the, the sort of low budgety thing. They're like, eh, fuck it. Like we don't have enough money to make you know a masterpiece so let's just slap it together and do something which 
I'm not against. Like, I think there's value in that a lot of the time. Yeah, I think there's lightning in the bottle when it does sure. really work. Uh, so, Super Mario Brothers movie. All right, let's not get crazy here. Save Ryan. that for another day. Then. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually watched that. That all movie the way has its defenders. Um, I'm and sure I'm it does. Them. That that might be a generational thing. <laughs> no, because it's actually people of my generation God who are damn just it. like we aren't that like. <laughs> I know we're like three years apart. <laughs> but yeah, no, no. Anyway, um, I just the rocket boots, the stupid rocket boots, or whatever they're no, called. No, anyway, we don't have to <sighs> stay on. Oh God, okay. there were no rocket boots in Arnold. He was still on Super Mario Brothers. I'm sorry for bringing it up. Can you give us a summary of this um, film? Sure. All right. So here's the deal. Arnold's a dead guy, and instead of having a funeral, he has a wedding in the in the cemetery, in his family plot cemetery. And the gist is he has conceived this elaborate sort of plan um, as his dying wishes that start with marrying his mistress and kind of stick it to everybody else in his family in various ways like that's the will yeah and part of part of the what do you call it the the like terms of the will is that his mistress has to stay by his side forever and that there's also a hidden chest or stash i guess a treasure of, of treasure yeah 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 just randomly yeah just to entice people um so you know antics ensue because everybody's got their own little angle and he's dead so theoretically well well the antics that ensue are are it's or it's like, meanwhile well you know the what what did you just say they're they're after the money what's really happening is yeah, everybody's has, got an angle He's Arnold has has um, presumably laid out some sort of intuited uh, murder plot that plays out post mortem. Right. That's what for me is like the the core of this synopsis of this. Yeah, film. and and sort of to be more clear, he literally has tapes like cassette tapes that are pre recorded. Well, you assume they're pre. Everybody assumes yeah, they're there's pre-recorded. A, there's kind of a mystery of oh maybe he's still somehow still alive or it's his ghost or like yeah what's happening, know. but that those tapes are all kind of in res- like responding to people like his brothers and sisters and cousins and whoever's involved, like them trying to betray his wishes, his the wishes of his will. And in and their angle is all to like get theirs, you know, whether it's the house or the money or the car or whatever, or just to say fuck you to him. So it's pretty. I mean, God, <laughs> I think what they were trying to do is sort of a a Ten Little Indians Agatha Christie sort of like murder mystery thing, and it's there, but you know, it's it's a little loosey goosey. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. 
Uh, well, then, so if we've been obviously ragging on it, how how would you officially rate it in our rating system? Would you tell yourself oh, to avoid it, to stream it, to rent it? Or you know what? Would you just want to buy this, Tim, straight up? Would I want to buy a, a ripped DVD of a VHS <laughs> that was ripped from... No, a... I, maybe you could find an actual VHS <laughs> for like $300 on eBay. Or oh, my God. Uh, oh, it's funny. It's corny and funny and of its time. So I think there's kind of value in that. Oh man, would I would I subject myself to sitting through? Well, I did, but would I do it if Peter hadn't made us do it, or if you already knew mm. what it was? <laughs> no, avoid it. Yeah. Sorry. That's uh, I what I settled on too because if our rating system was leaning more toward people at large if that's what our rating system was i'd say as a fully researched curiosity stream it i agree but to just me myself like i i just watched another film i really enjoyed i would have just rather watched that right. again right so yeah. for this one i gotta say avoid it to me <laughs> damn Mm -hmm. harsh mm -hmm. remember at the beginning of when we were doing this we were like i don't think we should ever really say avoid it because you know like there's value in everything which is why i think we skewed our rating system <laughs> and i try to clarify it yeah, it's I us know. talking to ourselves because yeah, we didn't i agree we didn't necessarily start that way with our rating system right right there was some... uh but you know i kind of had fun with it yeah me too like we had to watch it right so you might as well Right. Enjoy and, what and, you can. And again, we're going to get into our actual, <laughs> the, the meat and bones of our breakdown here. And there's certainly a lot that I had that really worked for me. And it's going to sound like I was, um, well, I guess I it's true. I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah. Well, and, you know, like anything, you can you can glean a lesson from even what wasn't working in it. And, and like, take the, the kind of the kernels of what worked and even on the sort of smallest, smallest scale, there are things that, there are concepts and ideas that I think you could steal and make way better. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe if this movie had a real budget and a director who, you know, was super passionate about it. I mean, I'm not trying to disparage George here, but like, like the, your little, thing you read said it's like he did a couple of super low budget films and then mostly tv so he's just sort of coming from that angle yeah but if like i don't know some ridiculously obsessive amazing you know visual talent get our boy uh edgar ulmer who directed the black cat on it yeah that's interesting mm -hmm. i bet he would have done some shit with this mm -hmm. so yeah you know there's stuff in there well, let's let's figure out what that stuff is then. Should we get into what worked for us? Yeah. What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? Work like a charm, Smith. What worked? What worked for you? Well, I guess since I had a more formidable list, I'll start here, Tim. <laughs> um, How do you know? How do you know my list isn't formidable? 
you know, call it a good a guess, <laughs> a hunch. <laughs> Prove me wrong, though. Okay. The uh, tape player in the coffin <laughs> and that whole gag. <laughs> you know what I love about that gag is that it by itself is hilariously stupid. Yes, that's why I love it. But even the buttons on it are so clearly not actual buttons. Like, it's just a prop. Like every and they show the people like putting their finger on it and it's just it's just the surface of the of the well, thing. It's like it's not actually you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's nothing about it Im- implies that it's actually real. Right. <laughs> well when it first happened They didn't give a fuck. When it first happened, it just cr- I was just it just cracked me up. I thought it was so funny, like to have a, a built in tape player and just that whole idea of like the 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 carcass in the coffin with its voice just playing as if it's I don't know it's all just it's all just tickled me. Well, I funny. I'm now looking this up. Okay, <laughs> I thought to myself, and I think I said this when we were watching. We we're like, were were cassette tapes novel at this time, like 1973? They're real spy, like I think, at right? That time, right. But it turns out they're ten years old. Cassette tapes were invented. In 1962, mm-hmm. and in 63, they kind of got, you know, they were released and got introduced. And it wasn't you know, until I guess I think, but I bet now, like right about 73, was when they were like established as a thing, but still a new thing. Yeah, because because vinyl was still king. right. So this the the kind of novel, like, ooh, look at this quote unquote future tech that yeah. we're using. You know, in a, in in a way to kind of push this story along, because what would be the alternative to 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 accomplish the continual voice like voiceover of Arnold's, you know, narrating or or telling the the other characters what's going on? How would you do that without a cassette tape? Mm-hmm. I mean, modernly you could do it, but I'm saying at the time. I mean, it would have just would, been a record. Yeah, whatever, whatever didn't exist. I and don't how know. did he cut those records? You know what I mean? Like the idea of that. It's it's like they were like, ooh, cool cassettes. Like this opens it this the door for yeah. this storyline. It's like the the weird, cool novel thing of this 1973 movie. Well, you know, it also opened the door for this film was the gag of the eye looking through a portrait. <laughs> I think they think they went. How do we make a whole film out of the gag of an eye looking through the eye on a portrait? And uh, this was the result of that. Um. Oh yeah, I loved how the <laughs> eye. It was just like they figured out where it's like. Oh, can you move it around more? And it was just like it looked like a disembodied eye, like in a coming out of a piece of skin. Like how it's just that horror image of like blah, 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 and it's well, like looking all around really just quickly, like. <laughs> I wouldn't see a person actually looking around that wide-eyed and intensely, but it was it was fun. I just liked that they did that. Yeah. I mean, it's such a fucking dumb gag, but, like, of its time. Because, like, this is Scooby-Doo. I mean, this movie is basically Scooby-Doo You're in, right. in its own way. This movie right? Well, Scooby-Doo. guess what? Scooby-Doo came out in 1969. Yeah. So they were like, oh, man, yeah, let's just ride the Scooby-Doo wave and do the fucking portrait eye thing. Why didn't they just make it a Scooby-Doo movie? That would have been so much better. <laughs> Seriously. Probably because they didn't want to figure out Scooby-Doo. Roddy McDowell as Shaggy. Shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well... 
his Karen, little... Karen was pretty... She was pretty Velma-y. Yeah. Wait a minute. Which one's which? Velma? No, not Velma. No, she's the other one. Um, fuck, who is the other one? I should know this. I loved Scooby-Doo growing up. Um, I loved... Um, uh, um, the... Daphne. I loved his, his little um, Arnold the Dead Bodies little smirk. Like... I love that like in 80% of the shots of Arnold... He's breathing and his eyes, because he's wide-eyed the whole time, yeah. right? He's got an expression and like you can see his eye kind of twitch every now and again and his mouth kind of move every now well, and that again. Well, <laughs> that was funny, but I mean, just his his expression with his eyes wide open and his smirk, Ugh. like it never, that's what was kind of got me about this film is it like it had these initial, it, it would show these gags initially of like, his smirk and then the the tapes and then the eye looking through the people and then it but they became constantly recurring and they didn't get old for me like like when his oh body appeared God. at that other location remember how they like go to have a little rendezvous and like the oh, body's and he's there in, watching he's sitting. him yeah yeah and it's just like when it cuts to him then i don't know is this kind of the weekend at bernie's thing of, it's pretty funny that was funny <laughs> No, I mean, there are gags. I mean, this movie is a bunch of gags. And I love them all, And they're Tim, pretty fucking they're, funny. Because they're stupid. You know, right. I, I love that. Yeah, and if you're if you're down for some just corny, bullshit 70s gags, like, if you like Laughing and Benny Hill and, like, any of that shit, the monkeys, mm-hmm. then watch this movie, like, right. for, by all means, because it's just that shit. Like, one of my, one of my favorites was the... Uh, I'm referring to her this way because the film referred to her this way, but the well-endowed bartender, uh, or what would you call her? Yeah, she was... <laughs> the voluptuous... Yeah, uh, voluptuous. Voluptuous Swedish bartender? Yes. When she when it cuts to three bull, bullseyes being made on the um, dartboard, and she's just like conning these drunks, you know, with her, <laughs> yeah. with her uh, dart skills. I liked that. Yeah. And then um my one of my, my favorite character and performance hands down was the constable Henry Hook. He cracks me up just the kind of when it's like yeah. The the, the voice where it reminds me of the what is it they like how they speak in a Clockwork Orange where they um mm, mm-hmm. where they they say oh you know he hid the body all all what you know they say all whatever like <laughs> You know, <laughs> they did it all careful, like. Right, 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 right. Yeah, governor. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and he man. had the mustache and the hat and then like cracked me up like when he uh, when he sets up the bike and it just uh, like kickstand and it just falls the other way and his bike <laughs> is always falling. Tim was like, oh, didn't see that coming. I did. And I didn't because I, I had did. never seen that gag before. I don't know why, but the second he like rolled up and like kicked the kickstand i was like i know this gag yeah. it's just gonna fall the other way because he's that character i didn't know the gag and because <laughs> he was that character i cracked up i'm sure there were other gags i love too i'm just not remembering them now i mean even just the coffin being the sort of mechan like you know automated thing where it's like you touch a button and the, the lid closes or the the like he lifts he sort of lifts up into it yeah or out of it um well, the whole this isn't a gag, but just the very I don't know if there's a there's there's probably like a TV tropes dot com name for this. But would someone when someone unseen or deceased like has a plan that you see playing out 
and that's the movie. Um, right. Yeah. It's like where they, but the, it's especially fun when it's when it is that they're dead and it's like they foresaw everything happen and yeah, like magically. We, yeah, and we try to see people, and it's it's that like it's that game of people trying to escape what they what had seemingly been foreseen by acting on their own accord yet did the the, yeah. the perpetrator actually foresee those moves he of knew them, them so well yeah that he knew that they would in every moment like he'd say a thing and then they'd respond in real time and then the recording would be like i thought you'd respond that way <laughs> yeah i love that <laughs> like in that that micro way of yeah exactly the tape responding to them directly yeah and like perfect timing as well as um as well as just everything that happened, you know, when someone was killed or someone went to yeah. a different location and he reacted accordingly. Dear sister, I saw, you know. <laughs> oh, I, man. I love that. But, you know, well, okay. I was going to criticize it. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> so I said I loved the constable. Hook. Um, I like, you know what I liked a what? lot? The crow. The crow. And the cat. I liked the crow and the cat a lot too. I like that it opens with them. It's like how heavy-handed can we get? Yeah. Well, you bookend in films. We're in, yeah, that's right. We're in a cemetery. A black a black crow. Black crow. They're all black. Mm-hmm. Or raven or whatever. <laughs> Cause and then they cut to a black cat mm-hmm. who's like, Wah. and they have their little like <laughs> ongoing tiff as as crows and cats do. Oh yeah. And um, Enem- I, enemies, lifelong enemies, those I, crows and cats. I liked that the cat was the cat and the crow were last, like uh, the last death. Yeah, well, no, just no, <laughs> they're, they're last alive. Well, right, yeah. We weren't sure if it was the crow killing the cat or the cat killing the crow it was at the a end. A little ambiguous. I assumed behind it was, the tombstone. There, I think there were feathers flying up. I saw it as the cat killing the bird because that's just what. That's because you love cats and I love crows. I saw the crow just eviscerating that cat. That could be. I don't think it's I don't think it's because of that um bias. I I think though it's because that's fair. cats are bigger and kill birds. <laughs> that's also fair. <laughs> but no, it did make me question um if th- that was supposed to be some sort of intentional gag of the crow killing the cat that you or, were picking up on or if just in real life those two went at each other on set. Mm-hmm. And they just kept rolling. Oh yeah, they they dollied down and <laughs> craned down into it. Perfect timing, right? Oh man, um, I you know the other thing I appreciate about this movie, although sort of in a in 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 a uh, like half half in half out way, the 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 cheeky like sexism. Of like, it's it's more speaking to how guys, I think, are just, they're kind of pointing at guys just being lewd. So it's not, it doesn't feel too exploitative or like gratuitous. It's sort of just like, look at these drunk, lewd, everybody loves tits, mm-hmm. dorks. You know what I mean? It's not too, it's not cringy in a, in a like, ew, I, like this makes me uncomfortable because guys are gross. It's a... Look at these dorks who just can't look away from a pair of tits. Like a live-action Scooby-Doo way. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. And also, you know, it's... Maybe I'm... I don't know. There's there's something just funny to me about 
that whole gag of like the girls, you know, prancing around mm -hmm. ridiculously and using it to their advantage. And the or guys whatever. being on the level of being that susceptible. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's like everybody's kind of in on it. Yeah. Um, but also in a movie like this, this is why I said it sort of tickles the 10 year old. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not too much and it's not, I don't, I didn't think it was overtly gratuitous or anything, but it's just enough to be like cheeky. Well, and... it, it was used, I think, you know, not unintentionally to, um, to be an, oh, just if, if, if this was sort of a, a, a plotting exercise or whatever, I don't know what you'd call it in setting up characters where you want to make them be um, unlikable or, or like be guilty of things right. to kill them off, you know? Yeah. They So so they're all conniving for the money of the dead man. And for Karen. Yeah, and and for the mistress. Right. So it's like, yeah, so that's what I was going to say. That's one of the little things that adds up to it where yeah. it's like they all are trying to get with the mistress too. <laughs> oh, so man. That element was I just on. remembered the dream sequence of Karen running around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like it when she's running away from him and it's all foggy. And... Yeah. It's so dumb. When What instigated that? When I don't it... even remember. She, I think it's after Roddy is squeezed to death and she goes to, you know, her, the, the sister's yeah. like, you need to go lay down and rest. Right. Okay. So like that. we're trying to set this up, film, maybe give an idea for people who haven't oh, seen we... it. Yeah, can we go we... over the character? Who, okay. who are each of these people? Okay. Okay. Yes, I can do that. Karen is the mistress. She's our lead. Yeah. She marries Arnold after he's died. And the, the, the caveat is he can marry somebody after he's died because his wife before he died is now a widow. So technically they're not married anymore. And so he has put it in his will that his, his first order of business upon his death is to marry his mistress, which, you know, raises the ire of his of his everyone widow. seems all the attendees seem pretty uh accepting of it <laughs> that's true they all they're like yeah they, they, it's a for you know it's it's arnold yeah what do you expect that's who he was right right they all um, owe arnold so his his wife is um lady dwellen jocelyn it doesn't matter lady dwellen so his, she becomes his widow and he in his will says, Lady Dwellen, I'll let you keep the name because I know how much the title means to you. I thought it was the car because the title means to you. And, or, well, or, it's, yeah, both. The, it's the both. car. Yeah. And so, but he says, I'm not giving you anything else because obviously money isn't important to you because you wouldn't accept right. the like the offer of a million dollars or pounds or whatever it was. Wasn't it 1% of the uh, Yeah, something crazy, state. right? You wouldn't accept that to give me the divorce that I wanted. So she held out so that she could get an inheritance from him. And his middle finger to her is to say, obviously money's not important to you. So you get no money, but you get the car. Enough get to give you the status. Title, right, to keep your status because that's so important to you. So he gives her the middle finger. Um, she's pissed about that. She is our first death yes she is our first death and she dies by way of cold cream okay. acid with cold cream. well if we're going down each of these characters something else i loved in this film was the deaths we had right. 
Yeah. So maybe should we include so that in each of? So, yeah. So let's go one characters. by one here, so it's clear for we had people a, who didn't watch a, this. <laughs> we had a squish, a squash, and a crush. I want you. To, I want you to guess which one is each <laughs> as it goes down. Oh, that's funny. But first, yeah, was okay. the uh, was the wife. Yeah, who so died she died by she, uh, acid face cream. That's right. So which she, I thought was great. Which you know, great, right? Like if if appearance is her thing, it makes sense that the cold cream that she's using to keep her her appearance, you know, youthful and whatever, is what he kills her with. Yeah. Great. Cool. And it was just so each of these deaths was such an alleviating moment because imagine if this film like had didn't have like any sort of effects or they are all off screen or deaths didn't really happen oh, in God. this fun way. There would have been like so little redeemable about this, oh. but at least this had kind of the slasher movie element of like a little bit. Yeah. Let's watch each of them die. Yeah. <laughs> and the makeup of her like bubbling face and then good. ultimately yeah. like melted face was pretty fucking good. It was, was like, oh, solid. It was effectively, effectively grotesque. Yep. Um, so who was next? Ooh, next was Roddy. Roddy McDowell. Yes. So he's the brother. His name's Robert. Yeah. And almost instantly Karen and him, we find out, that Karen and him have been snogging. So they right away are like, finally we can fucking be together and like do what we want to do and not necessarily in secret, but sort of still in secret. Mm -hmm. And then the sister dies and then they kind of freak out a little bit of like, how is he doing this? And Karen suspects that Arnold is somehow... The wife dies. Right. Uh, Yes. What did I say? The, the sister? sister. Oh, right. No, I mean the wife. Um, Lady Dwellin. The face cream death. Face cream death. And then they kind of freak out and they're suspicious and they're wondering how this all happened and blah, blah, blah. And then... He borrows one of Arnold's suits. Rod, yeah, they get a suit delivered and Roddy takes it upon himself to open it and put it on, even though it's for Arnold. Arnold ordered it pre-death. And Roddy's like, well, fuck that. He's dead. I'll wear it. And so he does, and then the suit. What? I don't, Which was what do you think Arnold's the, what do you view think of the him science was, behind this suit is. <laughs> so, and, and Arnold's view of him was he's a freeloader who didn't right. want any do thing, didn't want to do anything. So he he knew he would take the suit. Yeah. Oh, my, and so the suit I called it the suit squish. Mm-hmm. The suit squish. Yeah, the <laughs> suit shrinks once he puts it on to the point of causing him to explode. Yes. Which was Which, wonderful. I mean, I hate to say it, but if we're being technical, I think that the fabric would tear before your body would rupture. I saw I'm it just as saying. a suit made for the purpose of squishing So maybe someone, it's though. made of a material that is... It's hemp. <laughs> will, that, will that squish you to I death? I know it's supposed to be the... <laughs> Very strong. It's bamboo and hemp. <laughs> yes. It's a bamboo hemp suit. Custom dyed made. magenta. And uh, maroon. It was great. Plum. It was fun how it was done visually where you see it sort of like. It was no, it was it done, was funny. done well with the, the cutaway, cut back to it. It's a little more yeah. kind of thing. Roddy really, I mean, he earned his paycheck in that death. Yeah. Ooh, he really went for it. And it's just those those however many frames we get of the gore exploding out. 
three. <laughs> but it made it. It's it enough. Was, it was so good. It's funny. Like, we caught it. Just this kind of like <laughs> vague, vague uh, guts and yeah. blood. <laughs> um, so that sends Karen spinning. I think that's when she gets sent to bed and has this dream and it's just her what running was the around next like death? weird. The next death was, so then she recruits the cousin who ugh. wait was it the cousin or the kind of the lawyer guy cousin first okay for sure because cousin drinks the brandy oh right yeah 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 but what's interesting is like each one of except for the wife the following three deaths is it three yeah the following three deaths each one of those dudes like instantly the the moment karen is available they swoop in and they're like let's make a deal and also, I get to make out with you. Mm-hmm. Like they're so skeevy, and they get their they get their punishment. That's right. What I loved. So this this guy's <laughs> death was great because it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I read it as so he drank. He went for the whiskey he always steals. Is like I knew you always drink from that. Blah yeah. blah blah. You I knew you wouldn't even ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we we're like, oh, it's poisoned. But I think it was that it was not poisoned to kill him. But did yes, he say that's, that's right? That it's was, so twisted. Yes, that's what was so deliciously twisted. This will send you into a deep, deep sleep. And then whoever we so there is sort of this side mystery of like who's actually executing a lot of the the details of these things, right? Like who's who's delivering the the tapes between each death to say like. I knew this would happen and now I know you're going to do this and therefore this is going to happen because I am all knowing and have planned this all out kind of thing. And so so we have not mentioned which I think we should wait. The there is a servant character who you suspect. We'll get to him. Um but somebody is actually moving the bodies so yeah. to speak. And so Douglas Whitehead the cousin Drinks the brandy, fall like chokes sort of, but then falls asleep, passes out, and the and the tape says, you know, this will put you in a, it won't kill you, but it put you in a deep sleep. And then we cut to him in like a bulldozer being dumped into in a, a plastic tra- bag. Tra- yeah, in a plastic bag, dumped into like a trash compactor. Yeah, with like <laughs> so much setup of like, uh, th- this is so that's the crush. That is the crush. It was a suit squish, a garbage truck crush. <laughs> But it was just so twisted because it's like why they could have just they could have just put his dead body in the bag and crushed him. But no, they had to make sure yeah. he was still alive yeah. when he was crushed. Like it's fucked up. Arnold just you know, <laughs> God, how crazy. So so then the way they know that he's dead is that his leg, like from about halfway down the shin to the foot, is is somehow left behind Mm -hmm. it didn't make it into the compactor it got cut off and the cat which i thought was weird finds it and drags it back into the house oh right (laughs) because of course which is funny um and so everybody freaks out again um and they all kind of go on the search for the um for the for the money yep and this leads us i guess we should this this leads us to the servant. They've been pointing at the servant the whole time that may, like he's sketchy and probably in on it and is in makeup. 
Uh, let's wait on that. <laughs> Unacceptable. So <laughs> that was the word of the day when watching this film. Uh, yeah. So he preemptively runs down to the basement and looks for the money and finds like a little dumbwaiter shoot type thing and sticks his head in there thinking the money might be in there. And the Tim yelled, get your head cut off. Yeah. And it happened. And it happened. So there's like a guillotine sort of hidden in there and it chops his head off. Yeah. Which I was very pleased with. (laughs) (laughs) So then we go, oh shit, it's not him, right? He's not in on this because he just got his head fucking cut off. And then the other, it's Whitehead's like partner, lawyer guy. Yeah. um, Who, I don't know who, I don't know what his character's name was. Evan Leons, Farley Granger. Who is that? I'm just looking at the cast. Oh, maybe. Doesn't matter. Maybe. Anyway. The last guy. So the last guy swoops in and he's like, you know, obviously I'm fucking awesome and I can swoop in and I'm not attached to anything, so I'm not going to get gonna killed. take the and woman, take the mistress, you. take I'm the gonna, money. I'm going to s- swoop in while Karen's taking a shower and jump in the shower with her. Yeah, he walks in with his towel on and here's where <laughs> we get the, we've had our squish, a crush, here's our squash. Yeah. The walls of the shower close in and both Karen... And this guy gets squished, squashed some to good, death. Uh, some good 13 ghost crush action there. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, let's be honest. Arnold really, really had to know some shit. Yeah. To know that that, that, that guy was going to show up and jump in. Maybe, actually, you know, he probably wasn't planning on killing that guy. It was just. It was just for Karen. Yeah. A happy accident. There were some times That's where right. it's like, well, how did you know that they were going to be in here too? Oh, merely a coincidence. Right. A happy accident. So those are our well. So then there's one more death once we've had, but that sours that that shower squash. Can I just need to? Oh yeah, I just need to emphasize how good it was. That's all. There's nothing more to say. <laughs> it was we. Well, it was, I like how throughout the movie Karen sort of like she she loses more and more clothes as we go along, and then she dies naked. Yeah, someone said in the YouTube <laughs> comments, like, well, they saw it as a kid 36 years ago, and their only memory of it was her in the shower. <laughs> okay. I really thought we were going to see some nipple. You get real close, but it's behind frosted glass. So. Well, they get squashed. Yeah. Cru- sorry, yeah, squashed before you do. But it was so cool because, like, when it gets to the um, the shower head... Like you think, oh, is it going to sort of, you know, how much is it going to give as an indication right. of how hard the squash is? It just gets like yeah, crushed the, hard. The shower like, head just like it's nothing. Apart, like, yeah. So this is it's hard pressure. It's uh, it sets up there. Cannot slow down. What the a way pressure. to go. <laughs> yeah. You know, that poor guy, he's getting all he's ready to just get it in there. Yeah. And he's all fired up because Karen's naked. He's in the shower with her. Mm-hmm. You gotta love some shower about sex, right? Poor everyone in this movie. Man, <laughs> his boner got fucking squashed. Is what happened. That could have been. No, I was gonna make a joke. Just, <laughs> another day. All right. Well, so then we kind of get our final reveal of who's been orchestrating all of this, and it's it's the sister of shockingly, you which know, the we, unassuming. We did sister. call out, and I thought it yeah. was done pretty well as yeah. far as even though we called it. 
the reason we called it was what was actually a pretty good hide, whereas it went right from like almost instantaneously the eye looking through the portrait uh-huh. to the sister walking out. Yeah. And then she goes back in and it happens again. So it's the kind of, but it happens so fast that it was yeah. intentionally played like, oh, they're totally separate. Right, right, right. But yeah. it's a fun, it's fun how they did that. But I actually loved that the sister was the one who is it because it was so much fun. I love the sort of, character reversal or reveal i don't know you'd call it for this kind of character where she was where it seemed like she's the total innocent oh i'm off to the card game the weekly card game bumbling and sort of you know i don't know anything oh i'm just happy to be here don't mind me anything i (laughs) can get you sir you know very um you know ant like and yeah it's kind of funny always holding the cat so then to to have her be the twist, it's like, oh, finally I can go to Rome and live a life. I thought, you know, just yeah. to like. She have spent her... her whole life being there for Arnold and now she can finally be free. Yeah. But. So, she, so she, she gets what she wants in the end, her precious money. That's right. So she has Arnold cremated, which was not what Arnold wanted. Mm-mm. She disposes of the groundskeeper who's been helping her Mm -hmm. by having him dig a grave for Arnold's casket and then showing up with Arnold's ashes. And the guy's like, what the fuck, man? Like, where's the coffin? She's like, Arnold didn't like, I had him cremated. He's like, well, why'd you, why'd you have me dig this big hole? I'm old. And that took me a long time. And she's like, cause you're going in it. And she hits him with the shovel and kills him and puts him in there. Movie inspired the Joker in the dark Knight, Right. (laughs) So then she goes to put Arnold's urn in the tomb, the family tomb or crypt or whatever yeah, you call mausoleum. it. Mausoleum. There you go. And in doing so, she she realizes that that's probably where the money is. And she crawls into Arnold's tomb. And lo and behold, she finds a secret passage and button and whatever. And it opens up. And there's this other little room with all of his money, all this cash that we've been wondering where where it would be the whole time. And she's all giddy and, like you said, now I can go live my life. And yeah. the door closes behind her and Arnold's voice comes over the PA. And it would that's the kind of scene that, like, <laughs> imagining where it's like what, what did work, where I could see if you were a kid watching this, like the setting and some of those moments sure. could be pretty... Yeah. engrossing and affecting like it's kind of classic you knew it was coming but the candle going out mm-hmm. and and sort of that 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 twilight zone-esque ending of yeah. like trapped with your money now it's all yeah. you've wanted but you yeah i mean there it. is sort of a morality aspect to this whole movie yeah. of like don't be a dick don't be an asshole <laughs> don't be a creep don't be greedy yeah so you know all right cool good uh, job um i and you know we we've alluded to it, but I just I did have fun with the mystery aspect. Like even yeah, though we were yeah. kind of predicting and calling things, we still didn't know what it was right. eventually going to be for sure and what was going on. Yeah, it was kind of like felt par for the course once we did. But at the same, but it was fun. Yeah, the mystery watching it play out. Yeah, uh, that's enough of that. Do you I think? agree. Let's talk about what now did you not work. you don't now you don't have to watch this movie because we just described the entire thing. Great, and we'll tell you <laughs> what we can about what did not work. Okay, it's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs>
let's just get through it because here's the deal. Do not put people in blackface or brownface or whatever you want to call it because the servant is supposed to be sort of a... What would you say that that is like a Hindi? Yeah. Tur- he's got a turban. He is very clearly a white guy in makeup. Which with actually... A horribly shitty He's goatee. actually some... We just thought it was supposed to be like some weird reveal. Like, oh, it was actually another character. That's why they put an actor in brown face. But it's actually an actor who... Um, we I, know. I forget his name, but he's someone His who's... name's Jamie Farr. He's very famous. Yeah. He's... He's Klinger from MASH. Okay. (laughs) Which is like, you know, he's a famous dude. And it was an earlier role of his, I guess. But yeah, it's it's just kind of funny that it was like, oh, let's get this good actor. And then so it was a straight up. He doesn't say anything in it. A non-story essential. uh, Right. It's like, why is he even there? Just so Roddy McDowell can call him a dirty Hindu like five times. It's so unacceptable. What was it that he said? It was... sneaky dirty hindi or something like that it was horrible yeah and he says it every time they're like in the same room together mm-hmm. like he's like the hindi. Mm-hmm. it's like jesus christ he's with his hook for the hand yeah so he's got patch. he's got everything going on he's got a hook for a hand he's got a, an evil goatee he's got an evil eye patch he's got an evil face scar i mean they really were trying to misdirect yeah that yeah 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 so but still just i'm sorry it's unacceptable to put people in i mean i get it it's the 70s and they're stupid about that kind of shit right like the peter sellers movie the party i thought of right yeah i mean it (laughs) it happened we've moved on hopefully don't be a stupid racist idiot when you're making movies right well there was in a lot of ways this i want to get to in the things of note this film was a holdover of a lot of stuff from earlier like 1930s films yeah, in a certain yeah, way. you're right. And uh, this was a more unfortunate aspect. Of Ugh. Being held it, over. Just, it's like every time he was on screen, I was like, who the fuck thought this was okay? <laughs> director. God damn it. Actually, it was more like, who, what was this director thinking at all? Because, so to, okay. so to switch gears, Tim. <laughs> I'm done. Rant, uh, like, I don't need to rant. No, I could rant about it, but I won't rant about it. We had it. to, good to get it. <laughs> Gotta get, get it, it out. Top. Um, so I was trying to, I don't actually have a lot as far as like written down, like parts that didn't work for me. This was an interesting case yeah. where it was like everything in it. I actually liked cause like, cause here, so I wrote like, okay, so what did not work for me? I'm trying to figure it out. I just wrote, it was hardly engaging or entertaining, mm. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but then I'm like, well, okay. It wasn't the performances. It wasn't the casting. It wasn't the plotting or the story. It wasn't the setting. It wasn't the humor. It wasn't the deaths. It wasn't the twists. It wasn't the mystery. Hmm. So what didn't work for me? And then it was only when we were sitting down to do this and I was uh, playing it off YouTube and the, the key song came on again. Oh, God. And, and, that, and Tim, if you could hear him go, oh, God, Ugh. that's what Tim said. He said... I played the the music and Tim went, oh, oh, God. (laughs) And that was my jumping off point for figuring out what was wrong, where I just then heard you saying now, like my inner Tim going, what the fuck are you doing? Like, just to to the director. That's the best impression of me ever. (laughs) I probably say that a thousand times a day. Well, yeah. Like... (laughs) I can see you saying that to the director. So so what I landed on, it was the direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where it's like you have all these elements that 
were working for me when I just put it down in a list form. Yet you need a coalescing. This is a really good example, I think, of what a director's role is. Yeah. You know, of showing when something works and doesn't. It's like... There was that one scene, remember, where you're like, well, did the gaffer direct this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's just it's just like leering at the, the bartender, her boobs, the whole time. Well, it was just kind and of like... And it's just like, a, it me, it has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, it was like it's as like if we're you in had a bar these, and... these three different elements that had to be tied together to a scene with character motivations that made baseline sense. And it was just... It, 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 not. it is a side story that means nothing, does nothing, and, like, speaks to nothing. <laughs> it's that the constable's dad likes the the big-titted bartender. Yeah. I've That's heard... it. And, the, and, and then later, the constable's sad because his dad ran away with her. What does that have to do with anything? It's so, like, what? Right. Why? Why even have it in there? Is that, like, some inside joke? Like, well, it's like what you is could, going on? You could find the thing that, I don't know, there could be a way to tie it to the movie. Maybe. But that just wasn't, that's what wasn't there. It was yeah. sort of like that you have these bullet points of what's supposed to happen, and it was the in-between that that is where the direction comes in right. that sort of, like, figures out what it is, how yeah. you present it. And it was like, that wasn't done on any case. So this was just a weird, it's kind of like, we have, yeah, okay, so all these things that I like individually, but yet I just don't like being here. It's like that uncertainty or unsureness of, I don't know. Yeah. It just felt gross being here in this movie. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know what it feels like a little bit? It's like, we don't have enough script for this to be like really where like lengthwise what what it should be so like hey call does anybody want to jump in on this you know what i mean call your buddies call john macgyver just have him sit at the bar he doesn't have to do shit yeah and he could just be there like we'll put him in a few scenes it doesn't have to be connected to get to anything but you know i know he's he's been struggling a little bit he's got a kind of a gambling problem maybe like we he needs an extra buck so like just cast him cuz you're friends with him and you you know like he's your your cousin's uncle yes like it feels like that where they put stuff in this movie that that had nothing to do with making the movie better it had to do with nepotism or something yes I'm, i mean i'm making a big leap there I'm no, not. I think it's less nepotism. Okay, here's my grand theory. Hey, we're making a thing. Anybody want to j- just come for a day and like hang out? That's okay. what it felt like to me. That bar shit, at least. That is connected to, okay, here, here's, as I just said, my grand theory. And this is going to put it in the context of the, it's, this is the history of studio level presumption. Okay. <laughs> okay. So if it was starting the, the now, now we have a sort of calculated presumption yeah. Of, of okay, we're putting, we're going to put these actors in it. We got this director who's made another $100 million movie before that, you know, as, as bad as it was, made money. It's a calc, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. have to, I don't yeah, have yeah, to yeah. give specific examples. We know no, what I'm talking about. Calculated, calculated filmmaking in today's age. So, so if you look at more where that came from, and like if, if Arnold is its early roots of that, there's a presumption that just because it's it, it's weird because this isn't wrong. Like there is an inherent power to the medium of film like used well, but, you know, like like Terrence Malick, Richard Linklater, like just, you know, 
an image. They 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 believe in that magic, mm-hmm. and because of that, can get it across just in sort of something that's maybe more simple, or that there is a, a joy in just actors being on screen. Yeah. yeah. But with this, it's like, it's there's a presumption that there, there there has to be that belief in it behind it, which it isn't there. You know, so there's a presumption as far as that's what I keep saying as far as just like, okay, we put these we put these likable actors up there. We have all these things that I listed that work. So that means it's going to work. Right. That means the people are going to love it. It's going to be a hit. They were wrong. Yes. (laughs) But you're right. It happens all the time. Definitely. <laughs> so yeah, there's different. Yeah, it, I mean, it's sort of that dumb idea of like, oh well, if you put Tom Cruise in it, it'll be it'll be a hit. And it's like that's not what makes a movie a hit, <laughs> right? Like you're missing it. It's like when it's like when Deadpool came out, and suddenly all these studio execs are like, oh shit, like we didn't know that an R-rated superhero movie could make could make money. Let's make all of our superhero movies R-rated. It's like it wasn't good because it was R-rated. That's completely to the like side point. It it just happens to be R rated. Mm-hmm. It's good because it's a good fucking script and it was executed well. Mm-hmm. Like stop conflating these two things and thinking that this minor little aspect is what made it good. That's the thing. It's these. It's the the history of uh, not just presumption, but of drawing too short of a line yeah. between two things. Yeah, isn't this sort of like it's like uh uh thinking there's causality like correlation and causality thing do you know what that yeah. is yeah it's like it's like no just because nick cage movies were you know pot you know here here's the the graph of nick cage <laughs> movies and then you can look at drownings mm-hmm. and the graphs match it's like those are not causal right like they're it's <laughs> maybe they are Tim. they're not <laughs> maybe the drownings went up as more shitty nick cage movies yeah <laughs> yeah well that's what the graph says <laughs> <laughs> not unrelated <laughs> you're gonna see me at my place with like all these like polaroids up of drownings and you're gonna get the red yarn out yeah <laughs> all right Sense. i get what you're saying yeah. so i have one uh oh no wait well okay i guess to summarize that though okay it's uh yeah there's got to be a love of a film in there or, or a or a you, you gotta love what you're yeah. doing and then figure out a way to that's what directing is it's it's finding how do i make it so everything i love about this is as apparent as possible right. you know? and not just do it to get it done and okay just to just to pick it apart a little more because it's like <laughs> to come at from a different <laughs> angle sorry okay but it's like i thought of the original pink panther yes where it's like all the good memories i have of watching pink panther movies were actually the sequels where it was more focused on yeah. Clouseau, yeah, more yeah, silly. Yeah. And then the first one, I remember like buying it on DVD and yeah. like watching it. And I'm like, this is like long and like, I like the music, but it's repetitive. And I just <laughs> like, who's this guy? Where's Clouseau? And yep. like, even the big, like what I think of as an, as a Pink Panther movie ending was this kind of like yeah. dated and lame and felt presumptuous again. Yes. So so I just saw a comparison as sort of a, a close era kind of like, oh, we're just going to do this and it's all going to be great. And well, it's an interesting question. I wonder what the modern equivalency is. 
Well, I mean, I Transformers? Think, I'm sorry to, I know you're a fan, but I really think it's Marvel films. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean- Get the fuck out of here. The, Get out! Get out of my closet! We'll, we'll talk about, okay, sorry, that's a little, it's not totally accurate. <laughs> That that the Marvel films, I think more. I would say the DC films, yes, are yes, the yes, example yes. of this. the The DC thing films are trying to play catch up with the things that are working in the Marvel films, and they're picking the wrong thing, like, and they're fucking it up. And so they're just they're being presumptuous about what people want to see or what they think people want to see, and they're just they're just missing horribly. I. Like what? Green Lantern, the first that that yeah. like, oh, well, it's unwatchable. Right. And then you right. think, OK, well, they've got a good director. Zack Snyder's coming in. He's done a couple cool things. He did Watchmen and he did uh, Dawn of the Dead and and Sucker Punch. And like he's got style and maybe he can bring something to this franchise. And he does a kind of left turn of the most iconic superhero ever. Right. right. Like super everybody knows Superman. So you, it's a really hard thing to get right. It's OK. Sorry. It's just like the, the cal- there is a calculation, though, on Marvel films from the producer's side. That's like it's like they're doing TV shows. They all have to adhere. Like I couldn't I was okay. ex- I was actually excited to go see Guardians of the Galaxy because James Gunn was doing it. I'm like, sure. OK, here's actually they may have canned Edgar Wright, who is an interesting, good filmmaker. Yeah. I like from doing Ant-Man, which makes sense now, you know, in this, right. you see what I'm getting at. With I get that. that. I get that. And then it was just like, this is just, this is the same. It doesn't, there's never anything interesting for me in the direction of any of those films. I know what you mean. Yeah. And I'm not wholly opposed to what you're saying, but it's like, I get it. Cause it's like, but the much worse version of yeah. that to me is the DC stuff. Right. So it's like, I, if I was a fan of Marvel things, I could see myself liking it. I'm just not. I think I just and outed myself as a Marvel fanboy. You did. Well, I added myself kind of as a <laughs> deadhead two episodes ago. So that's all right. Um, yeah. No, movies. I get you. I get you. I think you know the things like Transformers and the DC movies. I think are the more extreme example of that. But I get where you're well, coming from. That, you're you're talking about a slightly the different DC thing. movies. The DC movies are calculated in a way that's just like, okay, what were you even thinking? Right. But the Marvel movies are calculated to just work for a specific audience. Yeah. And for me, that's almost more, it's more conniving in a way, I feel like. It's this Disney like, well, how do we still make money for sure? Sure. When I think any approach of a movie should be like, Okay, but it's got to be just there's that good David Bowie quote on like of a creativity in the role of an artist or a piece of art. And it's like it's got to have be just scary enough mm-hmm. when when setting out to do it. Like you're setting right. out to doing something that's a little bit uncertain, but you feel is going to be, is, you know, there's yeah. an intuition there. And that's just where the, that's where the producing stamp comes on. Nope. Sorry, Jim. Nope. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. You're right. We're just not going to let you do it. You're right. You do see the producer stepping in and going no 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 that's not what we're doing and then it's and like that's i'd say mm. so then what are we doing it's like right well we're, pl- we're well we're st-, and they put it in some like yeah. marketing whatever way i'm like no well you're just playing it safe and f that because yeah. we aren't this is, we have a we're bigger selling, responsibility we're selling figures yeah but, you know what'd be awesome uh-huh arnold figures <laughs> yes with each no an arnold play set with each of their <laughs> 
you have like the house and you can each of their different deaths. You have like yeah, you have like a weird crank thing that like Yeah. That crushes <laughs> the shower. <laughs> yes. And like a red ribbon pops out. Yeah. Um okay, uh, maybe we didn't exactly uh, draw the lines between Marvel DC films and Arnold, but they're there. Yeah. What's, yeah. what's behind people's filmmakers motivation? And I just <laughs> I guess to tie it all together is I think you have to, um, the, the director has to have a love and of the, not only a love of the content, but a an awareness and respect for the medium and yeah. its power. Yeah. And that sounds presumptuous and not presumptuous. Sorry. Uh, pretentious. Yeah. Well, so what? But I'm, I'm, I'm a high, low person. I'm either, you know, Super mm-hmm. pretentious or the exact opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> and you, well, uh, that's true. Like, don't middle. Yeah. Don't fucking middle. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're gonna go swing, like mm-hmm. swing real hard. Yeah, and you might fucking suck at it. And, and it's, but that's okay too. That's what. That's where we get kind of like our, you know, like like, you know, filmmaker anxiety of like, oh, mm-hmm. I just like with all this money and resources being put into it. Yeah, like you have a duty. Yeah. But whatever, you're happy with, with Ant-Man 2, so. <laughs> sorry. I'm oh, sorry. man. Okay. All right. Let's do some uh, things of note. Yes. Things of note! <laughs> this should be interesting. I'm going to blow your fucking mind right now. You ready? Yes. The writer, one of two writers, Jameson Brewer. Guess what he wrote? What did Jameson Brewer write, Tim? He wrote... Where is it? (laughs) Shit. What? Hang on. Tell me. I lost it. What is it? it. Wait, wait. I got to get it right. What? Okay. He wrote 16 episodes of (laughs) Scooby-Doo. You're right. Ah! No wonder, no wonder. Holy shit. Yeah. So that that makes sense. That's great though, like literally. <laughs> so we pick we picked up on it. <laughs> oh man, you wrote a bunch of shit, but that I, it just occurred to me I was like the fucking picture the eye behind the picture thing is so classic Scooby Doo. What what if this dude wrote Scooby Doo? That we did. should do a cut of this movie where we put in that classic Scooby Doo cue, you know the whoop whoop. Oh my god. I love that shit. <laughs> yeah. I loved Scooby-Doo when I was a kid. Yeah. Fucking loved it. I never saw the live actions, but... I didn't either, because I was like, no, no, no. Yeah, no, I can't. The cartoons you can't. are great. Uh, so that was a big thing of note for me. There's also Stella Stevens, uh, the the lead Karen. I was like, like she looks really familiar. She was in Poseidon Adventure, which I love. It's I mean, great, I just looked... Movie. Uh, at a glance at her her Wikipedia, mm-hmm. and it was just huge as far as TV yeah, roles. Yeah, she's uh, done it. So if you've seen things. any shows from the seventies, you uh, have seen her. Um, yeah, you know, and just like these, I mean, that article you read said B list actors. I guess that's kind of true, but like a lot of these dudes are recognizable, and you know, they've been in. Hey, Planet of the Apes. Around, was man. that a B movie? Yeah, elevated by its yes. ending. <laughs> So, I don't know. Beyond that, I don't have much. I thought, I don't know. It was interesting. This was, I guess I put it in things of note because it was noteworthy for me that I couldn't put it in what worked or what didn't work. Mm -hmm. But there was 
the the it was like a joke that didn't land but i still liked something about it it was still maybe my humor but it was when they said it was probably just because it was so off the cuff and like didn't belong there but i like that they pointed out where like did they build the graveyard around the fog or did the fog arrive once they built the graveyard <laughs> that is a dumb joke but it is funny yeah it just seemed both smarter and dumber than the movie i don't know <laughs> what yeah i found most interesting noteworthy about this film was sort of looking at it its place in in film history of of the evolution of a of a horror aesthetic where this felt like you kind of have, what is it? There's like the one Frankenstein movie that came out in 1970, but like used, used parts of like used, uh, used um, props and stuff from the original. Oh, really? I um, know about this. And films like that where it's like as if, as if the universal horror films, you know, that we talked about in the Black Cat. There's a there, there there's a setting to them that's general and mm-hmm. it, it all works when it's like 30s 40s and then they made it maybe more sci-fi tinged with the 50s, but then it's like you have these this is like the telltale end of sort of squeezing that for its last drop horror when it's when it's though now in color and has a 70s settings and we've had films like Rosemary's Baby come out uh-huh. uh, this is not this is not gonna do it anymore yeah uh, yeah. Well, just think about this. This is 1973, right? Yeah, but it's a comedy, so it's like yes, it's but but yet it was still doing it. I don't know. It was weird. The next year, John Carpenter's first movie came out, which is Dark Star, mm-hmm. which has, I think, is a bridge to obviously Carpenter becomes sort of the father of modern horror. Him and kind of Wes Craven, right? That Dark Star tonally is a bridge to that stuff from this because it has elements of this. It's got kind of corniness and and low. It's definitely low budget, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, very quickly, four years later, he does Halloween. Mm-hmm. Right. So we've clearly there's a cultural shift. Yeah. Look at yeah. Right. Look at this. The sixties are over. Right. This was like the sort of awkward, yeah, with her hippie dresses and stuff that, you know, I yeah. liked them. But, uh, but it, yeah, it was this weird uh, holding on to the 60s yeah. when, hey, Yeah, because no. like Benny Hill and Laugh-In and all that shit, those are 60s shows. Like, yeah. they're not 70s. Well, it's also sort of like they say, you know, the whole, the horror moves in cycles thing mm-hmm. where, I mean, to, to repeat it, you know, it's, it's, it's original and successful and effective as horror. Then it's sequelized, then, uh, and then- and and then uh, spoofed right reference and then um and then self referential right again right, like yeah. this you know scream coming in or yep. whatever so this felt like it was this maybe the self referential in a different director's hands could have worked in a self referential way sure because it's like it does it's 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 comedic it uh it's using the pro but it's actually creepy too mm-hmm. and it I don't know it could have been more effective in uh in sort of its its uh. Uh, incorporating all these elements from films, you know, 30 years younger than it. You know what the modern version of this movie is, in a way? Is, um... Oh, fuck. Now I'm not gonna think of what it's called. Um, and I love this movie. It's a... Oh, damn it. Daphne. No. <laughs> damn. You're next. Okay. So, you. it's... So, the modern equivalent 
to this in a way, I think, which in and of itself is kind of an homage film too, but it's your next, which is, it's sort of, again, it's, it's it, in a modern way, it, it's taking your next. Yeah. Your next. Uh, it's uh, yeah, that 20, was... 2011 in a weird way. It. Your next is you could put your next between Arnold and Halloween. But it can't. Do you know what, what I mean? mean? What I mean is, in terms of it's it's it takes elements of both of those movies. I think, and I think you know, the directors. Um, uh, yeah, that's right. Adam Wingard. Right. He's done a few things. Some, I think some stuff works. Some stuff I haven't loved. I thought it but, was Wingard, but oh, maybe it is. Um, I don't know. But either way, like, I think he, he's. He's a horror fan. Yeah. For sure. And he's trying to do a couple things. At times he's paying homage to stuff. And at times he's just a, I think he's just a student of horror history. I I thought where you were going with this, I I don't get what you mean as far as it's between uh, Arnold and Halloween. Because for me, I thought you were on point as in it's, it's an example of the equivalent of what Arnold could have successfully been that's, doing as that's far kind as of being what it, informed by the films before it. Yes, where, where that's, you, that is what I mean. Your next has taken both the slasher genre and a handful of home invasion films right. and made it self-aware in such a way where it can be played for both scares and comedy effectively. But there's also the mystery aspect to it. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's sort of taking some of the best things of the, that you could have done in Arnold mm-hmm. and also the tonality Mm-hmm. of Halloween. That's what I mean by between. It's got he's sort of grabbed the best aspects of horror films or certain horror films, I think, and and made this yeah. this thing that stands alone as I just it is. wouldn't want and to I be, think it's cool. I think you could just pick a multitude of other films other than Arnold. <laughs> I could, to I use could, us. but I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to fucking fit fit a couch through a small door here. <laughs> anyway, it's a good movie. Yeah. Go watch that. All right. Well, you're gonna wrap this up and yeah, talk about uh, recommendations. Let's get through it. Oof, we talked a lot about Arnold. Yeah, how's about possible? Arnold? Peter, I hope you enjoyed this. <laughs> Peter, fuck you, Peter. <laughs> He's gonna be on our you, show. You fucked us, Peter. You fucked us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back. Give us another one, Peter. <laughs> gotta, All right. Let's do some it. recommendations. Well, since we brought his name up. Uh, John Carpenter. Mm. I was pretty stoked. If you saw on our Instagram story recently, I watched In the Mouth of Madness for the first time and got pretty excited. I was already excited to watch it because it was like, oh, I know it has Sam Neill and it's a Lovecraft influence, blah, blah, blah. And I felt bad. I'd forgotten it was John Carpenter. And when I turned it on, I got, saw it was John Carpenter hmm. and got that much more excited for it. And I really, really... It's got... It's got kind of like, you know, in... in other John Carpenter films or films that the eighties where it's like, okay, this is all pretty dated, but I so it easily am able to just go. Yeah, but whatever. Cause this is all, this is all great. Yeah. Um, my friend, uh, my friend who's a listener, Jesse recommended it to me when we were talking about ghost stories actually. And other films of, I was talking about films of, you know, the, the level of uncertainty and going insane. And it was just like a movie that's, goal was entirely that it was a film that was an exercise in that fully nice and functionally 
and um yeah if you're looking to to see your your full tier your 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 lower tier middle tier whatever john carpenter films and you happen to miss it i can recommend dead in the mouth of madness cool i mean i think i should recommend dead you're next if you haven't seen that shit dude it is solid as fuck it's got awesome kills and not even just kills but like home alone style fucking like kicking the shit out of the bad guy moments yeah it's so good the adult home alone yeah Yeah. horror home alone yeah so so get into that it's a fucking good one okay well my turn to pull from the hat (gasps) here it is pick a good one all right that wasn't a recommendation this time (laughs) Uh, Swamp Thing, directed by Wes Craven. Oh, shit. From 1982. I have not seen this movie. It's like, this is one that I think I maybe saw as a kid, but I'm like, who knows? I think I probably saw part of it on, like, USA, lit up all night or something like yeah, that. Yeah, similar, you know though, I mean? just to, to In the Mouth of Madness, I'm like, okay, I just gotta see the Wes Craven movies yeah. I haven't seen. Fuck yeah. Um, let's figure out what this is. Cool, dude. Swamp thing. They are, uh, I believe they're trying to do a remake of it, like, and fit it into the DC universe Why am I as not well. surprised right? at all? Because it's like the DC, um, dark or something like that. Oh, okay. I what it's called. I do, okay, I, I have that. seen it. I'm remembering It's got, like, Heather it. Locklear in it, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty fucking corny, if I understand it right. Let's find out how corny. Oh man! Next week. When are we gonna watch a scary movie? We did. Uh, I mean, Ghost Stories. I thought was good. Uh, yes, it's amazing. But it's. I didn't think it was scary. I want to be scared, Ryan. I thought that had good scare Ghost me. Stories had fun scary moments and was genuinely unnerving in its twist and actual yes. construct. Like yes. So I don't know. That was. I thought that was really good. I agree. And um, now I'm just looking at our, our list. I mean, I want some nightmares. Yeah, give me nightmares. Wasn't Lake Bottom was like maybe it could have been. You know, I felt that was Almost, a good stab. But really, Tim, nothing's ever going to be better than the babysitter. So Fuck. we should just we should just reconcile ourselves. Hang up the hat with that. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, you can find us if you haven't already at dismemberinghorror.com. Yep, and on Instagram, Dismembering Horror, and iTunes, and Twitter is DisHorrorPod. And I'm Tim Aslan. My name is Ryan McDuffie. Yeah. Hit us up. And I uh, hope to see you next time. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye. I love thee, just you wait and see. Arnold, Arnold, and let me count the ways from the nights and days. Just you.